0: Welcome back to Resolve. We all encounter difficult issues at times. Life can get tough, and it may seem impossible. But no matter what, and through it all, Jesus Christ is the answer. And through Him, we can rise up and be more than conquerors. Today's message is about consolation in confessing. Confession is good, and it keeps the dialogue open with God. It's the fourth part of this series on the elements of prayer. That's coming up next unresolved. Now, let's join Pastor Tom Porter. We
1: have been going through a series on prayer, and there's several elements that we're going to look at in the next few weeks, and um, our first element was the element of praise. We need to give Him all the praise, all the praise, all the honor, all the glory goes to God, His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is to be lifted up. And then we talked about waiting, those that wait upon the Lord, things like that. Waiting. It's hard to wait sometimes, is it not? Today we're going to be talking about confessing and the instruction and what confessing does when we confess our sins. Well, open to your in your Bibles to Psalms. We're going to look at two Psalms today. We're going to look at David in Psalms 32. We're also going to look in at David's life in Psalms 51, a very familiar passage to all of us that, understand and know a little bit about the life of David. The title of our message this morning is this, simply, there is a consolation in confessing. Let me say it again, there is a consolation in confessing. And as you listen to me give that title, you may have thought to yourself that the idea of consolation and confession, (laughs) they just don't go together. After all, we don't normally think of confession in a positive way, do we? The idea of confession often conjures up thoughts of having to reveal embarrassing or incriminating facts. We would not usually see that occurrence as consoling. But there are certain consoling or relief that comes from getting things out of the shadows and into the light. The word consolation comes from the word to console. Uh, you might have been in a, um, maybe a spelling bee at one time in your life, and if you're like me, you're not going to be in first, second, or third place. I give word check a big problem when I'm on the computer, and they try to correct my spelling. They just, it, question marks just come up. What are you trying to say, you know? But then every kid would get, at the end of the uh, award ceremony, every kid would get a consolation prize, a consoling, if you will. That's where we get that word. It's a consolation prize, consoling. For one thing, confession helps relieve the weight of guilt. As long as the matter stays hidden, one must carry the weight alone. Have you ever been there? Boy, I have. That weight of guilt. And that generally results in insecurities. It results in um, self-hatred. It's not good, is it? And then secondly, keeping wrongs hidden requires a lot of emotional energy. It really does. Confession negates the need for the expenditure of energy. This can be seen in the fact that oftentimes when um, somebody that has broken the law turns themselves in. Or they get, even they get caught running from the law. But you know, deep down, oftentimes, a criminal will say, a lawbreaker will say, I'm glad it's over. I, I'm, I'm just glad it's over. I, I'll, I'll pay my whatever I got to pay. I'll do whatever I got to do. I'm just tired. I'm tired of looking over my shoulder. I, I'm tired of the guilt. I'm tired of the self, self-hating attitude that I have. I'm glad to be able to start a process of making it right. Here in Psalms 32, David, we see the instruction or the record of his confession, the forgiveness received, and the blessedness of his complete restoration. In Psalms 51, let's turn to that. Let's go there first. You should already be there. Psalms 51. Let's just go ahead and pick it up at verse 1. Now, this is David after he uh, sinned. He, he lied with Bathsheba, and he comes to God. And, and listen, it cost David a lot. He still, God still allowed him to remain king, but he, it cost him a lot. It cost him a son. It cost him uh, a, a ton of stuff. But here's what he says. He goes to God. This is, this is his confession. In Psalms 32, we'll see the instruction, what it's good for, what he's going to do after he confesses. But here it is. David, before an almighty God, says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy lovingkindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against thee. Thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. You see David here, he's not blaming anybody else. He says, I and I alone have done this. Verse 5. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Which simply means we we all have the sin nature through Adam and Eve. Verse 6. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Oftentimes that portion of Scripture is misquoted. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. It's not our salvation. It's the salvation that God gives to us. It's his salvation. And uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Now let's go to Psalms 32. If you have there above, right under Psalms 32, if you have a Bible that, that kind of gives a description or what this is about, mine says it's a Psalm of David, Mishiel. Now that word Masheel means to give instruction, to instruct. So David, as we read in Psalms 51, when he confessed to God, then David said, I will teach thee, or I'll teach people. I will work with people. I will tell them of your forgiveness. I will tell them of your restoration. I know there's some men in this church that really love to restore things. I I remember one time, Uh, some guys got together, and they restored a car. I have a neighbor about four doors down. He's got two Corvettes. He loves to restore. My son-in-law has a a dear co-worker that uh, loves to restore cars. You know, when you take an old, beat-up car that's 20, 30, 40, 50 years old, and you take maybe, it's not going to happen overnight, sometimes restoration takes a long time but you know what when that car has been completely restored restoration restored made like it was at the very beginning restored took a lot of energy and a lot of, of work and 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 uh and thought and did you know that oftentimes that restored car is now worth more than it was when it came off the assembly line 30, 40, 50 years ago? And that's how much God loves us. So this area of confessing. Now, confessing, confessing is, is not going to, to me. It's not coming to the pastor and just just rallying out all your sins now there are times when this, this happens but we're to confess our sins to God we're to go to God now if you've offended somebody if you have transgressed somebody a brother or a sister or even a lost person in the Lord you need to go and make that right you need to go and you need to apologize and I've, I've done that on several occasions and I've learned the sooner you do it the better you do it, it will be Don't let it fester. Nip it in the bud, as Barney Fife would say. Take care of it. You confess our sins. There's one mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus. The Bible says to call no man father. We don't have to go and and get in a confessional and, and confess our sins to somebody. We go to God, just like David did. There. So we're going to look at this this chapter uh, and I hope we can, I'm I'm confident we'll get through it. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Do you believe that? I believe it's the inspired word of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And this word, Mashiach. Instruction in righteousness. We're going to look what David learned. He learned the blessedness of forgiveness. So let's look at the horrible state of the guilty sinner. Let's talk about sin for a moment. (gasps) That's our problem. Is sin? Too many churches today they don't talk about sin. But that's our problem. That's we have a sin problem. We're sinners. Every one of us in this room are sinners. What kind of pastor would I be if I didn't tell you you have a problem? It's a sin problem. What kind of doctor would you have if you had a a dreaded disease and he or she did not tell you you had that dreaded disease? They wouldn't be much of a doctor, would they? I wouldn't be much of a preacher. The Bible says to preach the whole word of God, the whole counsel of God. and i don't want to step on your toes i want to reach your heart i want to touch your heart god wants to touch your heart this will help you look at verse 1 of psalms 32 it says blessed is he who transgression is forgiven now, transgression means willful, willful disobedience or rebellion, and it's certainly possible to sin unknowingly and unintentionally. That, that, is, that is possible. A that, that, child coming up, they don't know what sin is just yet. They don't know about disobedience, and uh, it doesn't take them long. I'm talking about the age of one. <laughs> they, they've got it down pretty good right there. We all have that sin nature within us. But in most cases, our sin, if you'll be honest with yourself, is the result of selfish and rebellious choices. There's only two choices upon the shelf, to live for God or to live for self. And James said, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Some folks come into God's house on Sundays and act as if nothing's wrong. Man, they are just flying high. Everything is good. But when they know deep down in their hearts they're not right with God. They've lived like the devil all week long. And for whatever reason, they chose to come to church, thank God. And I'm here, if you're like that, I'm here to, say, I'm here to help you. I love you. I'm glad you're here today you've come today, just lived and just, just, just fed your flesh all week long. And if for whatever reason, your wife brought you here, your husband brought you here, the kids brought you here, for whatever reason, Holy Spirit directed you here, I'm here to tell you that you can have your sins forgiven. I'm here to tell you, quit living for the devil and start living for God. Some folks come into God's house in that that way. They sing the hymns, they bow their heads in prayer, they listen to the message, but they are in a rebellion against God Almighty. And we all know what it's like to still have some maturing to do. A mother from Illinois took her daughter, Christine, age nine, out out for a mother-daughter breakfast. And during their meal, the mother courageously asked the young daughter, how do you think... I could be a better mom, sweetheart. And Christine thought for a moment. She said, well, you do yell a lot, mother. I know you've been praying about that, but it isn't really working yet. We come and, oh, Lord, make me what I want to be. And then you leave and you still, as this mother does, she's still yelling at the kids unmercifully. Not only is sin rebellious in nature, but sin violates God's righteous standard. Look at Psalms 32 again, the second part of that verse. Whose sin is covered. The word sin means to miss the mark. Anytime we fall short of God's righteous standards, and we all do from time to time, we miss the mark, just like an arrow that falls short of the bullseye. The Apostle John said, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And the law referred here is not just the Ten Commandments, but it's in reference to God's righteous standard in general. God is righteous. There's only one person that walked on this earth that had no sin, that could not sin, and that was Jesus Christ. Even Joseph and Mary, the Virgin Mary, the one that gave birth to Jesus, when they went to the temple, they brought a sacrifice. Why? For Mary's sins. Mary knew she was a sinner. Joseph knew he was a sinner. Sin stems from our old nature, which is totally perverse. The Bible says in Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. When you start thinking that you've arrived, Lord help you. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. Look at verse verse number two there. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity." iniquity. Iniquity implies twistedness or perversity. Iniquity refers to the crookedness of sin. There is something devious or, or crooked about sin. And I love that. It says, blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not. That word imputeth means to, to credit to or to lay upon. God does, not, God does not lay upon, does not impute iniquity. Sin is deceptive in nature. It violates God's righteous standards. It's rebellious in nature. nature. Look at the second part of verse 32. In whose spirit is no guile. The word guile refers to treachery or or better yet, deceit. Hebrews 3.13, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Well, sin will mess us up. It will mess me up. It's deceitful. Far too many people are deceived about the dangers of sin. They take it too lightly, and it may destroy you. There was a great city called Ephesus, a great city, a metropolis. It was a, it was a, a, a it had a, a, a harbor, a, a, a trade center. I mean, it was Ephesus was a, a it had a huge cultural and commercial centers all around. It was located on the mouth of the Caister River and it, and it was noted for its bustling harbors its broad avenues its gymnasiums its baths its huge amphitheater and especially its magnificent temple of Diana what happened to bring about its gradual decline until its harbor was no longer crowded with ships and the city was no longer a flourishing metropolis what happened was it smitten by plagues Was it destroyed by enemies or demolished by earthquakes? What happened? Silt. S-I-L-T. Silt was the reason for its downfall. Silt and non-violent silt over the years. Fine, sedimentary particles slowly filled up the harbor, separating the city from the economic life of the sea traders. Little particles of silt little acts of disobedience in our lives may seem harmless but let the silt of sin gradually accumulate and it will destroy us we'll find ourselves far from god life will become a spiritual ruin in the book of hebrews we are warned of the danger of the deceitfulness of sin James said that the attractive pleasures of sin are really a a mass covering death. God forbid that we let the silt of sin accumulate in our lives. Oh, it's just a little sin. But boy, a little sin goes to a bigger sin, goes to another sin. Well, the Baptists, they don't drink. Baptists, they don't dance. You see... I wasn't even going to get into all this, but I'll just skim over it a little bit. You don't know. Your, your, your kids are watching you. And you don't know who's going to has the... We all have the propensity, I guess, of being an alcoholic, but you start drinking and, and, uh, and you get drunk and the little kid sees that and and uh, next thing you know, he's drinking, you know, as soon as he can get the chance. He's drinking. Ends up getting drunk, getting up splattered on the highway somewhere. Well, Dad, you did it. I didn't see anything wrong with it. Or they become an alcoholic. You see. Oh, we don't dance! I wish... <laughs> I wish you would go to a, a high school dance sometime. I, I went about... Oh, 15 years ago I don't know what it'd be like today I went 15 years ago not that I was in high school 15 years ago <laughs> I wish but I've been hearing all the stories so I went dark loud stuff was going on that I can't even mention in a mixed audience like this oh they're just going for a dance let me tell you it wasn't a sock hop like I was used to in the 50s. Everybody kick off their shoes and throw them in a big old pile. Didn't care. You didn't put them neatly. Everybody, man, we'd have a sock hop. There'd be shoes this high, just piled up. Now there's a lot more just shoes coming off. Kids can't. You see, you got to think, think about what you're raising up. What you win them with is what, what you win them with is what you win them to. So you wonder about that just a little just a little dance, be all right just a little dance man wasn't <laughs> I was standing in line one time in Lake Wales, and guys were saying, "Hey man, I've got so-and so for my date for the prom, yeah, her virginity's out the window after tonight and I thought, man, that's all that that's all those guys were thinking about It's just Taking some girl's virginity from her. I mean how sad that is. Why mom and dad know about that? Just a li- just just a dance. J- just a little beer. And then it it ends up you being controlled by it. Being controlled by it, by your emotions. Or you're being controlled by it, uh. By, by another spirit, the spirit of alcohol. Sin will take you further than you want to go, make you stay longer than you want to stay, and cost more than you want to pay. It's just, that's just the way it is. Oh, but we're in a world of tolerance now. Be very careful. Be very careful. If we tolerate sin. Mm. In our lives, it starts out slow, but leads to heartache. When we sin, something has to die. Psalms 32, 1b, whose sin is covered. I love that. Note the word covered looks back to Deuteronomy 23, where God told the Israelites that all their refuge had to be buried. Yeah, you know. I've had people read the Bible and they come to me did you know that was in the Bible they read the Song of Solomon Oh, did you know that was in the Bible Woo! did you know that the, the soldiers were taught to have a, a shovel with them with their weapons and that was nothing more than a pooper scooper you know what a latrine is yeah that's in the Bible? Yeah, look it up. It's in the Bible. In Deuteronomy 23, 13 to 14, God tells them, you bury your, your refuge, you bury your human waste. That, that was due to the fact that God's very presence was among them, and God was seeking to impress upon his people the filthiness of their sin. So he used human waste as an illustration. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. We cannot bury our spiritual refuge out of God's sight. Boy, that would be good, wouldn't it? We cannot do that. And therefore, it must be taken away. And only the blood of Jesus Christ, shed on Calvary, can accomplish that. Again, the Apostle John says, The blood of Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He cleanses us from all of our sin. So we've looked at the horrible state of the the guilty sinner, but now let's look at the happy state of the forgiven sinner psalms 32 verse 1 again blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered blessed that word blessed means happy happy is the man verse 2 upon whom the lord imputeth doesn't credit the iniquity and though and and whose spirit there is no guile note twice david tells us that the man who gets right with god is to be blessed is to be happy twice he says that i don't know about you but when i was at jump off baptist church and I remember being at Jump Off Baptist Church. Boy, Baptists have strange names for churches, don't they? I've been a member of Rifle Range Baptist Church. That's one of my favorite ones, brother-in-law. Rifle Range Baptist Church. I was a member of Jump Off Baptist Church. They say it was named Jump Off because there was a moonshiner and a mule. Both were drunk, and they both jumped off the bluff up there. Jump Off. There's no lights. There's no signs. There's nothing. Just a little community out in the middle of nowhere. But I remember on September 12, 1976, our bicentennial year, I walked came down the aisle and I grabbed a hold of the pastor's hand and I said, I need to be saved. I'm not saved. I shouted it. Everybody looked up, you know. I said, I'm not saved. I've been living a lie. I've been letting the silt of sin come into my life. And I knew I needed to make it right. And I will tell you, I will tell you that I was happy when I got off of my knees after I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life because my sins had been forgiven. He did not impute the iniquity upon me. He made me as white as snow, as white as snow. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a happy state to be a forgiven sinner. Not long before she died in 1988, in a moment of surprising candor in television, Margarita Lesky, one of the best-known secular humanists and novelists, said, What I envy most about you Christians is your forgiveness. I have nobody to forgive me. Once a person genuinely understands that their sins can be forgiven, as far as the east is from the west, buried in the sea of forgetful, God says I put it in the deepest sea to be remembered no more we'll bring it up we'll point fingers Satan the accuser certainly will somebody said that sea of forgetfulness where, Jesus, where God cast our sins into uh, the deepest sea there's a sign out there floating around bobbing around out there it says no fishing allowed Amen, I like that. But We'll fish it out. Satan will fish it out. Your enemy will fish it out. What sin? What sin, God says? How can God do that? Come on. He's God. He's sovereign. We like to play games with God. I know I have in the past. I've played games with God, justified sin, all of that. But you know I'm not happy. I'm not blessed. I'm not happy when that happens. Praise God. I'm living in sin today. I can't say that. And God will bless your life. He'll mold you if you will allow him to do that. He, he, you walk with God. It's, it's incredible. It's, 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 it's like none other, I promise you. It's like none other. So maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, man, you know, I've got unconfessed sin in my life. I, I've just been living it up. I've been, just been having a good old time. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's God's word. You believe it? It's God's word. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Tom Porter of Temple Baptist Church in Titusville, Florida. I would like to thank you for joining me in this podcast and bringing the good news that Jesus Christ is the risen Savior. There is no problem too big and no blessing too small when Jesus is the Lord of our lives. I would like to ask you a question. When you die, where will you spend eternity? Will you spend it with Jesus forever or be eternally separated from Him? You know, the Bible says, Whosoever calleth upon the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved from their sins. You know, it's God's desire for you to have faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. Your sins have separated you from God. You must admit to God that you're a sinner and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Jesus bridges that gap between you on this earth and heaven. Will you accept Jesus as your personal Savior today? It's easier than you think. You can pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I realize that you paid the penalty for my sins on the cross and I want to receive you into my life right now. Save me from my sins. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer with me, then you've been born into the family of God.
0: Thanks for listening. Resolved is a production of Temple Baptist Church, Titusville, Florida, USA. For notes on this message and others, you can find them at resolved.podbean.com. If you wish to send us a question or comment, you can email them to us at resolved.tbc at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at Resolved Podcast. Make sure you visit our website at www.templebc.net. If you're ever in our area, we hope that you'll come by and see us. Remember, Jesus is Lord. Take care and God bless you.